Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Dave Hendon. Welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the World Championship. We've got, what, five days to go down to the semi-finals. I think it's been absolutely terrific. Obviously, it was a big disappointment that the crowds had to be sent home after day one. But the quality of the snooker, the drama, the stories, a bit of controversy here and there as well, just been absolutely terrific. And I'm sure it's going to be, whoever wins now, a, fi- a fantastic final five days. This is a bonus podcast because I had a chat with Marcel Eckhart. Now, he's from Germany. He's just 30 years of age. He's going to become the youngest person to referee the World Championship final on Saturday and Sunday. I sat down with Marcel uh, at the World Championship qualifiers just a couple of weeks ago in Sheffield. At that point, we weren't quite sure exactly what to expect at the cruise, but we didn't even really know if the whole thing was going to be played or not. Both maybe a little bit cautious about exactly how it was going to go. But I know Marcel is really looking forward to donning the white gloves and refereeing the final, his first world final. Now, you could argue that, you know, maybe it would have been better for them to give it him next year when everything's back to normal, there's a crowd in. Problem is, we don't know everything will be back to normal, actually. It's going to be a big occasion, and as he says in the interview, you know, he becomes uh, the person who referees this world championship final in this circumstance. I know everyone's very proud that the tournament went ahead. Again, World Snooker Tour and their partners have done a fantastic job. So much work that people don't see has gone on behind the scenes just to get this championship on. And Marcel, as you'll hear, very dedicated, uh, very good referee. That's the bottom line. Thoroughly deserves the chance to come out and referee the final. As I say, I sat down with him just a couple of weeks ago and this is what he thought about the chance to go out and realise his ambition. Everyone wants to play in a world final, everyone wants to win one. But if you're a referee, everyone wants to referee one. Marcel, congratulations. You're refereeing the world final. How, how do you feel? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, great. Obviously, um, one of the best things you can achieve in in this game, I believe, as a referee, obviously, and uh, feel great. Was a big thing when I found out, and big honour, and I can't wait to do it. Mm. How did you find out? What happens? Does someone ring you up? Does someone take you to one, to one side? Um, the first first guy who told me was uh, Mike Enley, our tournament yeah. director. He uh, phoned me and um, informed me, but obviously when. Um, for the original days of the tournament, um, we received a letter with the with our days uh, we're supposed to to stay, and uh, obviously that gives you some kind of a clue. Um, me 
doing the semi-final last year. Um, now I knew I found out that I'm going to do 18 days at the Crucible again this year. That gave me some kind of a, a clue. Yeah. You knew you'd be there to the end, so it was a good chance. Uh, there was a good chance, yeah. yeah. I thought about it, but obviously it's not guaranteed, and especially it wasn't guaranteed after what, uh, what's happening at the moment. Mm. Um, and still, it feels like it's some kind of provisional league, because mm. obviously um, you don't know what can happen. Um, uh, the worst thing that could happen w- would be like, um, obviously I flew over from Germany, and mm. let's say if the guy next to me on the plane um, is g- getting tested positive, and uh, obviously I don't know what's going to happen then but uh, mm. that would be a nightmare obviously mm. did, I mean you've, you've done I think a UK final already D- did you feel that and like you've done the one table last year did you feel that it would come this soon because obviously you're going to be the youngest referee to do it um, obviously at some stage you start dreaming about it or thinking about it at least um, it's, 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 it's the match you want to do as a professional referee and if you achieved um, certain things throughout your career, you want to step up, obviously. But I always thought, like, um, if I keep doing what I do, that the day is going to come at some stage. I never put myself under, under pressure time-wise. But obviously, it means a lot to me to, to achieve it now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You always seem quite cool, uh, but do you think you'll be nervous? It, it, like, it, it is a big deal. Obviously, it's always a big deal for the players just to play in it, but... Like you say, for a referee, that is the pinnacle. That's the, 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 the sort of top thing you can do. You're not going to know until you get out there, but do you think you'll be nervous? Um, I'm personally quite happy with the way I cope with pressure. Um, I don't really feel it like, let's say, um, at, um, let, let's call them normal matches. Mm. Uh, but I know from my fellow referees, um, even Brendan Moore, uh, he's always keep saying like, uh, he's never nervous. But when he did the his final or his finals, I should say, um, he felt the pressure before the match, and while he walked out, but then the pressure went off, and uh, I hope I'm going to be the same, because obviously when you're out there supposed to referee, you shouldn't really think about those mm. kind of things about who's watching and how many people are watching and. Uh, just do your stuff, really. Well, I guess that's the thing. When the match starts, you just have to start concentrating, don't you? In a way, you, you can't afford to be thinking about anything else because you've got a job to do. Absolutely, and I think that what's, what's going to happen. And, um, yeah. Would you, you mentioned Brendan. I mean, would you sort of uh, seek advice from anyone who's, who's done the final before? Because obviously there's some experienced referees around. Um, I think those kind of, of conversations are, are going to happen mm. at some stage during the event. Um, but... Uh, I believe I know what I'm doing anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just uh, I, I just expect some kind words, this kind of stuff. It's not like that I expect them to to give me some more advices. Uh, obviously, because I'm doing it because I'm considered to be able uh, yeah. to do it. So it shouldn't be the really case. Shouldn't really be the case that I need further advices. Sure. What did you learn from the one table last year? You did a semi-final. I guess, I guess firstly, there's just more space for the referee, isn't there, when, when, the, when the wall comes up? Yeah, yeah. Um, just a one table set up uh, at the Crucible, some very special occasion. Uh, very, very nice uh, feeling to, uh, because you know how the focus, the focus is going to be on that match, but on that table. So, yeah, learned quite a lot of it. I thought it was a great experience to, to do that. It was a great match, even went to a decider, which was, I thought, incredible. Mm. Uh, 
as a referee, you can call yourself lucky if it, mm. if it goes to distance in, in su under su such circumstances. And um, yeah, it was I believe it was a very good preparation for, for this year as well. Well, yeah, I mean, it was Higgins-Gilbert, wasn't it? And, and it felt like a final, like you say, it went to a decider. And of course, when you get into the final session and it's close, the crowd are getting involved. So in a way, it's a sort of a bit of an apprenticeship for the final itself, because actually, you know, that, that, that semi-final was better than some finals have been in terms of drama. Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, and also, like, how it works with us is, like, when you first, um, obviously, you do your first crucible, you're doing your maybe a quarterfinal, and then you're getting awarded a semifinal. It's just like a ladder mm. where, where you step up on. Mm. And so, yeah, very good. How did you discover snooker then? Um, I started watching snooker in 2005. Obviously, I started following it on German Eurosport, mm. which is our main podcast in Germany for the snooker. And um, somehow I kept watching and um, fall in love. And in 2008, I started um, my first referee course um, because I loved, I found out that I love explaining to people, uh, explaining the rules. And obviously, you should only do that if you know what you're talking mm. about. And yeah, that's how everything started. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to go into refereeing. I mean, did, did you you must have played as well, did you, or did you feel that actually I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna threaten to to break into the pro ranks? No. Well, um, where I come from in Germany, we don't really had um, any kind of snooker table. Mm. I don't didn't have any access to uh, to a snooker table. There was like a kind of casino, but I was only would have only be allowed to go there from the age of eighteen, obviously. Mm. So I had nothing. But uh, here and there, I played on American pool, which are, is actually the thing that I play. Um, I haven't I haven't picked up cue since January, in fact. Yeah. But um, which is obviously down to uh, the coronavirus. But um, when I play, I usually play on the American pool, like nine ball, ten ball sort of thing, straight pool. But here and there, I play snooker as well. Obviously, I know how to play. At the end of the day, it's uh, about uh, potting balls into. Yeah. Some some corners. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so a lot of people listening might be interested in becoming a referee. Like, what is the process, and what was your process? Yeah. Well, as I said, in two thousand and eight, uh, I believe it was February, I did my very first refereeing course in back in Germany, and um, obviously once you've done that, it's like you're going. It's a it's a, a weekend course. You're going through the rulebook, obviously learn everything about it from an assessor and then the next day you actually do your well you're doing the, uh, your exam first and uh, if you pass that you on the next day you do um, like a practical test mm. on the table at the table with during a match in fact which is usually like a club match or whatever whatever the circumstances allow and um, then, well, then the main thing to do is like gain more, more and more experience as a referee. That's the main thing. And um, what I did was uh, I travelled a lot in Germany. First, obviously on a local basis. Like uh, I drove a lot on the train and spent a lot of time on trains and cars to get to tournaments. Because as I said, um, in my region there wasn't there weren't a lot of snooker tournaments, mm. so I had to travel a lot which I enjoyed and uh, put a lot of effort into it and um, that effort was recognized by other people so they supported me and um, pushed me kind of forward in Germany so I appreciate them a lot obviously and um, 
very quickly I refereed at the German uh, championship um, refereed finals there on national level and sort of things and in 2010 when Barry Hearn came in um, and introduced lots of, lots of new tournaments especially European referees they um, benefited of it because obviously because more tournaments means more matches and more matches means they need more referees mm. um, I personally see myself someone who benefited of uh, those circumstances mm. um, and from obviously from 2010 I uh, never stopped working for World Snooker and uh, yeah here I am yeah and of course one of the events that came along was the German Masters in Berlin which was obviously ideal for you and you got to referee at the Tempodrome which is a pretty amazing venue in its own right so you gained a lot of experience in front of a big crowd there yeah, the Tempodrome is a very special place for me myself. Um, obviously, um, I moved in um, and moved to Berlin in 2014. Um, I think the very first year of the German Masters was 2011, and uh, I've got quite nice memories of the event. Uh, obviously, doing my very first final, my main final, I should say, in, in 2015, which is got to be considered as a very special moment in my, my career as an achievement. Yeah, very good memories. Um, even the first year when I, I've been there, I've, I've only done the marking job in 2011, which was still quite a, an immense experience. And uh, looking back, uh, it's amazing. Um, looking back on myself, I find it quite amazing the way how everything went, how I developed, and uh, yeah, very, very happy about everything. Mm. Yeah. What was it like sort of coming into the snooker world because you, you would have seen a lot of the sort of top players on television and you've come in at quite a young age um, and then suddenly you're in the middle there taking charge of their matches. Was it, was it nerve-wracking at first or did you sort of take to it? Obviously it took time mm. to get into the very special environment but you're getting used to it I believe and nowadays it's just like um, I feel like a part of the family. Mm. Um, obviously we all, usually you are same people every day at the tournament and so it feels like it like a family especially with the fellow referees and um but it takes time i agree and, and nowadays it's just like feels very special though to to be part of the circuit mm. what's a, a referee's sort of routine you know we think about players are playing i don't know at one o'clock they're gonna have to get up at a certain time practice at a certain time what's the referee's routine say the matches at one when do you get there? What do you actually do? Right, before Corona, <laughs> yeah. um, we would usually arrive at the venue like, let's say, an hour before. We get ourselves ready, like, um, dress ourselves up and maybe a, a bit by the food. Um, then we're supposed to set up our table half an hour before. Obviously, we've got to check all the equipment, um, we've got to prepare players tables with wets and dries and bottle of waters we've got to check uh, the table whether everything is alright right. we've got to prepare the scoreboard as well and usually that takes around uh, let's say 5 to 10 minutes maximum once we've done that we're supposed to find the two players yeah. tell them that we are their referee that we are in charge of the match and um, tell them the meeting point obviously the time to meet and um, then we usually be at, uh, at the meeting point five minutes before that, that agreed time and then uh, at some stage the tournament director 
says, fight your referees, take your players through, please, and that's what we do, and then we are now home. Mm. And what what are you sort of what's in your pockets? You know, we see you with those big blazers on. Obviously, your ball marker, I suppose, is one thing. What else have you got going on in there? I've got two ball markers. Right. Uh, I know certain referees wear a lot more ball markers, but I won't men- mention any names. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just two ball markers. Two one for is for cleaning balls, and uh, one the other one is for measuring spots. Mm. And uh, I've also got a coin, obviously, to um, to for the toss at the start of the match, or one, uh, and if in case uh, a brief spot of black. Uh, comes up, mm. but it's all I got three pieces and then um, mm. yeah, nothing else, uh, yeah. and nothing should uh, disturb myself um, apart from the usual stuff that I need. And I've always wondered this: referees obviously they wear the gloves. Now you must get through a lot of gloves during the, how many how many pairs of gloves would you get through during the season? Um, Where do you get them from? I personally get them from at the moment. Uh, well, it is actually very very tough to to get them, especially ones that are affordable uh, and because um, here in the UK let's say you get those kind of gloves for 15 euros or even more which is quite a lot mm. if, you, if, if, if you take in consideration the amount of gloves you need but um, usually one pair of gloves I can use for one or maybe two seasons depends usually I um, downgrade them <laughs> and it depends on their status mm. um, <laughs> um, because they get some kind of bluing uh, mm. once you use them but nowadays I uh, receive my gloves from Peggy Lee from China she um, is able to to provide us with uh, gloves um, when we see her but um, usually you use one pair of gloves for one match and then they go to the to the washing and mm. yeah Okay, and of course, like snooker's on TV a lot now. Not just obviously in the UK, but as you said, in in your own country, Germany, around Europe, around the world. Do you find yourself now getting recognised? Are you are you sort of now a sort of celebrity as such? Uh, not at all. I think <laughs> just like, um, especially because when you are, even if I am at a snooker venue, people don't rec- really recognise you when you are in your normal, uh, right, yeah. your normal clothing. Yeah. Uh, that's the first thing, <laughs> and but I only had one time when someone recognised me on the underground, in fact, in Berlin, right. which I thought, which I thought even made like selfies, which was like a, <laughs> a first one, and that probably never going to happen again. <laughs> well, now is a long time, but uh, no, I'm saying it's just um, it feels good, obviously, mm. um, but. I don't really feel like a celebrity. No, mm. obviously we give giving autographs. We um, people asking us for autographs um, uh, when we are at the venue. Um, but other than that, it just feels very normal. Uh, never had a situation where I've been uh, it, uh, where I felt uh, uncomfortable or anything. It's just uh, no, not at all. I can do my shopping whenever. <laughs> I like. Let's take it that way. That's good to know. Well, but of course your status may go up after doing the final. I guess though, um, possibly can't have sort of friends and family come over because can't have friends and family come over because obviously I guess it may, they may feel it's not safe or the situation. So you probably you're going to be on your own as such. Yeah, in fact, Mike Kenley offered me um, to bring one family member over, mm. but I said to him, "I'm going to think about it." But at, uh, right now, mm. as, as it stands, uh, we probably because of the situation, obviously, mm. um, everyone can understand that. It's not the best thing to do right now. It's uh, probably not worth it. Um, um, 
but I would love to uh, love to have someone here. But uh, even I've got to take in consideration that um, because it is my first one, obviously it is very special. And um, I personally, if I'm hundred percent honest, I don't really mind it that um, that I can focus on the work I do. Mm. And if someone would come over, uh, would be their first time in the UK, and uh, I don't really need to look after them. So yeah. that that's uh, that's. Uh, kind of um, makes it a bit easier mm. to get through those couple of days that mm. might turn out the most important days of my career so far. Sure. And it's going to be a very different setup, a unique setup. Obviously, there is going to be an audience, but it's not going to be full. Um, it's not ideal. I guess I suppose you would want it to be full, but you, the point is you're still doing the world final. It's still as important as ever. No, absolutely. Um, world final is a world final for, for me. It doesn't matter how many... Um, Obviously, it's down to the circumstances, but it doesn't matter to me that we've only got like a, a third or half half crowd in there. Um, I believe people are still gonna watch it on television, and probably even more nowadays mm. with uh, like less sport, live sport, and, and um, that's broadcasted. So um, <laughs> you might have an uh, might have an argument that there's might be even more pressure <laughs> because of more people might turn in. Yeah. Mm. Did you you kind of thought when you started out, you know, getting into into refereeing that at the age of thirty you'd be refereeing the world final? It's a, it's a big deal, isn't it? This yeah, obviously. Well, when I first um, when I started in uh, two thousand eight, I never thought about uh, getting to the stage where I am now. Obviously, which would have been crazy. I still remember that someone was actually saying to me um, uh, when we talked about it, the future. We had a conversation, and he said like, oh, it's got, it's impossible for us to get through." Or, we're never going to do it. Well, it turns out that, as I said earlier, never is a, not as long as, I, mm. as we thought back then. <laughs> mm. um, but, um, yeah, it's just incredible, really, how everything turned out, and especially the age where I am now. Um, sorry to Paul Collier, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to be, uh, provisionally, I'm going to be the youngest referee who's uh, going to take charge of the final. And the, which is quite a special thing, a much more special thing than being the first German to, to do it. Of course, obviously, because uh, I, I, um, being German is just, just like a thing that you're getting, mm. uh, it's not, not a choice you have, and it's just the case. Uh, but uh, being uh, a referee, um, you, at, at, at a young age, you've got to work, you've got to put your, all the efforts in, but uh, if, if you get the reward as a young referee means like you've done something right mm. wish you all the best with it congratulations and i hope you enjoy it thanks dave thank, thank you marcel well. cheers thank you. sports social podcast network okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.